supreme need of our time is for men to learn to live together in peace and harmony. I have directed the continued and increased close surveillance of Cuba and its military buildup. This is a strong nation. This is a compassionate nation. This is a decent nation. And this is a nation that will not let terrorists change our way of life. And with eyes fixed on the horizon and God's grace upon us, we carried forth that great gift of freedom and delivered it safely to future generations. Welcome to the American Perspective. Today's show is a follow-up to a previous episode on Daniel Stella, the Minnesota candidate running against Ilhan Omar. Some new information has come to light on her and her campaign practices. It's so important that we as Americans do our part in keeping politics as clean as possible. If you know or are a candidate running for office and have important topics that you want to discuss, contact the American Perspective. Joining me today is Jody Larson, the former campaign director and staffer for Danielle Stella, and Kimber Shear with the United Coalition Against Cyber Abuse and Scams. Thank you so much for both of you joining me. How are you? Good. Thank you for having right. us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, as always, anyone is welcome here at the American Perspective to discuss topics and also to be able to explain things that happen in their lives. Uh, Jody, tell me a little bit about yourself, what yeah. you were doing with Danielle Stella. Well, it started in May. Um, she had talked uh, probably about two weeks that she was thinking about running against Elon Omar. And so after the last time she talked about it, I said, what if we just do a poster and see if anybody has a reaction to it? And she's like, okay. So I put a poster together with the picture that she had on her Twitter account, which is the white dress. It was a modeling picture from years before and the tattoo and everything, just to see if anybody would say, oh, okay, that's, that's good to know. Well, it went really fast viral. I mean, it blew. People were like, this is who's going to run against her. And before we could even catch our breath, it was just going everywhere. And then Facebook got involved, and then Instagram got involved. So I spent two weeks in May actually emailing everybody with Minnesota GOP. I wanted to find a campaign manager because this thing was really going fast. And so I spent the two weeks and asked anybody and everybody, every organization, um, you know, Republicans for youth, you name it, I contacted them. And nobody got back to me. Um, my initial position within the campaign was going to be Danielle's uh, personal assistant. Um, I don't have political background. I have business background. Um, so after the two weeks, it became pretty clear we weren't going to get any help, and I was working 16 hours a day anyway, so she said, why don't you just be my campaign manager? And I said, okay, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Well, then she also wanted me to be press secretary, so I would help her with um, press and, and writing articles and stuff like that with her, and then eventually I became assistant treasurer as well. So... At the time, in, in May, when this all started and really got going, now we're in the first part of June, I was still living down in Texas. 
I am born and raised in Minnesota. My whole family's from Minnesota. My two grown kids live in Minnesota. And so I have ties to Minnesota, but I was down in Texas. Um, I told her that's no problem if, if I can come up um, later on and I can stay as long as I need to to work on your campaign. And that was the, the goal. So just up a little bit, um, we got invited by David Summerall, who became a really good friend of mine. He is the um, founder of StopHate.com, which is a great organization that does rallies to prevent, you know, oppositions of both sides of political or it can be pretty much anything, but he his promotion is we can resolve issues civilly without violence. Mm -hmm. And so he sent me a message and asked me, what are, what are the chances of getting Danielle to come and speak at um, the rally in Washington, D.C.? And I said, well, right now we're working on getting the website done. Uh, we have so many people that want to donate. We don't have it all in place, but we have no donations to pay for us to go to this rally. And so he offered to offer it to us for free. I said, okay. So Scott Hartman uh, was also brought in. He um, has a lot of Facebook group pages. And so we brought him in. And then instead of me being both treasurer and assistant treasurer, uh, we decided to have him be treasurer. And then I could work with him and we could figure out the software that we were going to use. And so when we went to Washington, D.C., by this time I had come up to Minnesota, and the night before this trip, she sends me this text, and she's in a frantic because the itinerary is not spelled out. And I'm like, Danielle, we got our flight already, so let's just go, and then I will talk to David or Adriana, and we'll figure out where we're supposed to be once we get there. Well, no, that wasn't good enough. So we ended up going. We get to the hotel, and she gets a call from a Selena that's part of their group, but I didn't even know who she was. Well, she got Danielle very upset with the words that she was saying. She was yelling at her is what Danielle said. And she had a meltdown that I had to help her with, and that was my first red flag. Now, I should back up a little bit. I didn't have time to investigate her to make sure she was legit because everything was happening so fast. That's my fault. Big lesson learned. So after I paid for the hotel, I said, we have a room to stay. It wasn't cheap. I said, let's just go with it. They don't have our itinerary set up. It's fine. We'll go to the rally. We know where it is. And that's what we did. So the VIP, she talked at the rally. Everything was good. I got her five interviews, whatever. So after the rally, they were having a VIP. Well, I had spent all my money on all the taxis, everything. I, I paid everything personally. So I told her, there's no way I can go to this VIP. I don't have a dress, which I was going to buy in Washington, D.C. And she said, oh, that's fine. I'll just go. Well, I didn't want her to go alone. So some people that I knew, and she also knew them, I asked, would it be possible for her to go with them? She did. She goes to the VIP. She comes back, I guess at 3 o'clock in the morning is what she told me, to change her shoes and then to go back to meet a whole bunch of people at this bar by herself. So I asked her, who came with you? No one. Who did you leave with? No one. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So the 
next morning, we had an 11 o'clock meeting with MNCR uh, Carly Hines. At 11 or 10.30, I couldn't even get Danielle to wake up. And she finally told me, I'm not speaking to anybody. I'm really tired. I didn't get in until 6.30 in the morning. I said, okay, I will go down and meet with Carly, which I did. Um, I come back. Our checkout was supposed to be noon. I'm sorry, 1, because I changed it an hour later. She still wouldn't get out of bed, so I had to change it till 2 o'clock. And by that time, they said, well, if it's anything past 2, we have to charge you. I was like, uh, uh, not good. <laughs> I, I packed all my stuff, and I left. And I went down to the lobby, and I texted her, and I said, I'm in the lobby. She's like, okay. Well, she finally came down like half hour later. But she had this huge hickey on her neck. And I was shocked. I was like, what happened to you? And she said, this, this is her story, verbatim. I was standing talking to a security guy, guy, and this guy came up behind me and started, I thought he was biting my neck. Okay. And so the security guard punched him, and he fell down. And I never even seen him get up. And I'm thinking, there is something wrong here. So <laughs> this now is another you, red flag. Yeah, so now you've been with Danielle Stella from the beginning. You've been through the grassroots yes. of the campaign. And so what I'm hearing is, is that you're now starting to see that things just aren't correct or adding up. Absolutely, from one week and being with her. And I knew the flight home. Because the biggest thing is, is she now says she gets assaulted. You don't file a report. You come back to the hotel by yourself, and then you leave again by yourself? No. I, right then and there, I said, this is not happening. I cannot be a part of this. Is that typical this, for this a is campaign? Right. Is that typical for a campaign, um, you know, a candidate to go off and do um, these rallies and things on their own? Or is there usually like an entourage or a bodyguard or somebody with them? Well, in, in her case, you know, because we were we got going so fast, we couldn't put as many people in place as we needed. I, I really feel now that the GOP of Minnesota should have stepped up and helped us, knowing how fast everything was going. I mean, they, they've seen on the social media how fast her following was becoming. We really needed them to step up and help. Not, not to blame them for everything and what happened, but... I know now that her story is a lie because she lies about everything. Because if she was assaulted, like she says, there's no police report. There, you're not going to file against somebody who does that to you. That was a red flag. And then when she wouldn't go to the meeting that we had set up at 11 o'clock with Carly Hines, that was a very important meeting that she just blew off. That was another red flag. So on the flight home, I knew I, I am not going to be part of this no more. Now you and said that day, you you said that um, that she was lying. What uh, what other things were going on? Well, you know she she tells everybody that she uh, she says this herself that she there was an attempted murder on her in two thousand eight. She makes that very clear. She's made that known from day one. If she was and had PTSD, as she says she does. Why Why are you leaving to go alone? Where, where was the meltdown? You can have a meltdown for getting yelled at before the hotel. 
but it doesn't bother you that you got assaulted. And I am a victim of sexual assault. So that really, really, really bothered me that she's using stories to be a victim when she's not. Whether she w there was an attempted murder on her, I don't know. I don't have facts on that yet, working on that. But she also said she has a 50-year protection order, which had been Tony, the lady there had worked there 30 years and said, I've never heard of one, let alone her be the second one. That's the fact that I have to go on. Mm. So on the way home, Flying back, um, I just said bye and left. And then the next morning, I got the email from an email address that I had set up for her. She had gotten the email, responded to the email, and then changed the password to that email. But she didn't realize that she had already sent it and it already got sent, and I can see it. So I had called the, the Republican committee member who uh, sent the email regarding her January 2019 arrest that was over a thousand dollars, which makes it a felon. And him and I had him and I had a conversation um, about about it. And I explained to him that I'm former campaign manager, and he will need to discuss it with her. But I did see her response, which was basically saying, which I have the document that says my lawyer says that he can get me off. That's it. Not, not anything that, no, I didn't get arrested. I, no, not this. She admits she got arrested for theft at a Target in Edina, Minnesota. So, so after I had tweeted out that I was no longer her campaign manager, well, people started asking her what's going on. Well, then she makes up this story that I'm no longer part of the campaign team because she got information that I was following pedophiles on Twitter. Now to clarify though, and, if I'm correct in, in my research, you resigned mm -hmm. from the campaign. Absolutely. It was the whole Washington DC weekend. I had already knew I was done. And then when I seen the email from the Republican committee member, that sealed it right there. And that's when I tweeted out right away, I am her former campaign manager because I do not, I will not be part of her dishonesty. And she is a fraud. So she brings up the fact, my personal Facebook name, she puts my fibromyalgia warrior woman that um, is because I have fibromyalgia, I have a support group. She includes that and she includes Yukakis, which if had she done some research and, and realized what Yukakis stands for and what that group does, she would have never she should have never said that I was following pedophiles without knowing why. And that's why and that's Kimber's why joining us. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, Eukakis is um, the Coalition Against Cyber Abuse and Scams. And uh, our mission is to um, get rid of scammers, pedophiles, predators, trolls, any type of uh, cyber abuse and um, porn. And the reason there are pedophiles on our thing is because we watch them. We have reported them, and we like to know whether Twitter gets rid of them, um, what they are up to to try to prevent more victims. That's amazing. So how did, how did you, yourself, or your organization get tied into the Danielle Stella situation that Jody's talking about? Well, she... Um, 
wanted the alley Waterbury um, investigated. And I did the investigation and found that um, she was guilty of a huge investment scam dealing with um, a movie, um, what do you call it, um, studio. And um, so I tweeted that out to help Danielle Stella, Sheridan. Yep. Okay. And um, that's how I got involved. And I also did some um, investigation on a few other people, but could turn nothing up. So that didn't come amount to anything. And really, that's all that Eukakis had to do with um, Danielle Sheridan. Um, and Jody is part of our scam busting team. So it sounds like there's a little bit of. Uh maybe anger from the campaign side that Jody left, maybe some finger pointing. Uh, it, it seems like there's just a lot of, a lot of issues that you're kind of bringing up, Jody. Well, I think the big thing is, is this is not a, uh, a campaign steer on my, that I'm doing. I didn't do the part of investigating her because, and call it excuse, call it whatever you want, but we went so fast with her campaign that I was working 16 hours a day at least for, for two and a half months. Almost, well, it had been from May until July when I came up. Um, so I had no time to even catch my breath, let alone investigate what she was saying because she's a very good master manipulator and a pathological liar. So the things she was saying, I had nothing based on not believing her until everything started unraveling and then I was done. I was done. Now you've sent quite a bit of information through to me for me to look over and you've done quite a bit of research. Um, for people that are listening, where have you been getting your information um, through the, the local courts? It looks like it's all public, public documents. For the most part, it's public documents, but there is some documents because I went to the courthouse to get the documents, there's more on on the forms and what is public. Okay. And so I found that out that she also has another arrest from April 2019 for theft. That one does not show up as a public record as of now, the last time I looked. But when I went to the courthouse, I was able to get that one as well. And then come Monday, Scott Hartman, who was the, the treasurer for the Daniel Fake Bella campaign, um, he filed a report of theft because she will not give him back his laptop. So now she's got three. I also have um, all the court dates. I know the April 28th is on um, August 15th, I believe. The felon ones are downtown Minneapolis because all felon cases are seen down there, um, July 30th and then August 28th. I don't know why there's two, but I will be at those. The August 15th, I'm having the Minnesota tweeting group. Um, somebody from that group is going to go and um, hear that case. I also filed um, the paperwork with the Bloomington Police Department where the April 28th uh, theft occurred, and they're going to be sending me the arresting report with details of what happened. There's something with on there about obstruction, obstruction judiciary or something like that. Um, so I'm hoping that that will have that in there, what that means. 
you know, she basically changed her name to to uh, hide her criminal record. That is the biggest part of it, is when we first started to file with FEC, IRS, and Secretary of State, she told me, and Scott Hartman can verify because he heard it too, and I also have all the text messages, all the Twitter messages back and forth. We were in a group, so I have all this. She told us that she goes by Daniel Stella and has for the last eight years. My mom disowned me, and I don't want her to be able to find me on social media. Okay, let me so the interject thing, there for just a oh, second. Mm -hmm. So the Danielle Stella uh, is what everybody yes. knows of her today. Is that a yes. legal name of Stella? No. Okay, so it's not even no. a legal name. What is her real name? Well, before I tell you her real name, I did contact the Minnesota Secretary of State to make sure that we could file under Danielle Stella. And the gentleman wrote, or, uh, read to me the actual rules of that, and his, it basically said, and, and anybody can call the Secretary of State and find this out, but he said as long as the community knows that individual as that name, they can file under that name. But I did all the research. I, I did a Ben Verified on her. Every name is Danielle Sheridan. Um, I did on her link count is Danielle Sheridan. On her modeling photos on the website is all Danielle Sheridan. Nobody knows her as Danielle Stella. And she fraudulently filed that way to hide all these arrests. And that I know. Now, were you able to confirm the legal name, say, like through a birth certificate, Social Security, anything like that? I have a copy of her driver's license because I was trying to verify her social media account. And so I needed her I have every bit of information on her. I have her social security. I have everything. So her and legal name, though, her legal name Daniel is showing. Her. Okay. So yep, that's interesting. I, I wonder why, you know, I'm going to, I'll ask the question. You know, I don't know if, if you know for mm -hmm. sure or not, but why are there two names? I mean, why go public with an, an, a non-legal name? Um, and, and it sounds to me like according to the state bylaws, you can't file with a fake name. So I, I, is there a reason for that? Do you know uh, of these reasons? It has to be to cover up the fact that she has she was arrested with a felon charge. There's no other explanation for it because the lie of her saying that she uses this the last eight, last eight years, that means that her work would have to know her as Daniel Stella. Her linked account that shows that she's an assistant preschool teacher shows Daniel Sheridan, which is another lie that she has told. She says she's a special education teacher, which in the state of Minnesota requires a degree. She, on her linked account, and anybody can look it up, it says she's an assistant principal, or excuse me, assistant preschool teacher at a Montessori, and she's got a degree, or a certificate um, within special education, and she has an AES degree. That's a big difference. Yes, so she's lying she, to everybody when she says she is a special education teacher. She is not. Yeah, and she was on the show uh, back in June, and and she she actually did say that she was a special education teacher. So I wonder, yeah. uh, I wonder how the school system feels. You know, if if you're claiming to be something that you're not. I mean, these are all 
very, I mean, not only incriminating points, um, but this is a hotly contested seat for Congress. Absolutely. I don't know. Absolutely. And that's, that's why I feel obligated that I was intertwined in her lies and deception. I, I helped create the monster. Sorry to say it that way, but I feel obligated for myself, for my own conscience, for my beliefs, for my morals, that I need to warn people that they should be donating or supporting a convicted, not yet, she will be, a theft that is a felon, and not even just one, we've got three now. And I cannot go on allowing her to continue with her life without trying my best to let people know this is really what she's about. Well, one of the things, and you know, you were talking about these, um, the arrest records, and one of the documents that you sent through to me, um, it noted that there was, uh, the theft was for take, use, or transfer of movable prop and no consent. Do we know what these, the actual charges were? You know, who filed it? What what, what were the objects? Uh, there just seems to be so much that's clouded in 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 theory and you know guesses. I, do you know more about some of these? What I know for fact that is on the reports that I have right now is it was at a Target in Edina, and the, the theft charge was two thousand two hundred and some cents. That makes it a felon. I am actually going down to Dallas Courthouse County, and I'm going to request the arresting records because I have to go down there because all felons go down there. The Bloomington from April, I'm waiting to receive that from the police department. Okay. So how how did you how did you go about you know when you decided to leave the campaign, you know all of this information is coming at you. How did it make you feel? What were your concerns, fears? You know what's going through your head as a campaign director? The biggest thing is is I helped get her so many supporters when she is not the candidate to support. I have done a lot of research because I learned my lesson. I talked with Anton Lazaro, who is the campaign manager for Lacey Johnson, who is running against Ilan Omar in 2020. And he has a website. It's www.laceyjohnson.com. And I have, I have been tweeting that out like crazy because a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's not so bad. She hasn't been convicted yet, and she's definitely better than Omar. Which, no, District 5 in, in Minneapolis and surrounding communities that are in that district deserve better. And Lacey Johnson is the most qualified to beat Omar. I believe those rest records also showed past DUIs and fleeing from an officer. Yes, so and this is not her convicted. first felon. Yeah, she, she, this is not her first felon. She actually uh, fled from a peace officer is what the record states. And she wow. was charged with a felon. Yeah, that would be questionable, uh, you know, yeah. for a congressional member, in theory. Um, you know, somebody mm -hmm. that's going to represent us yet is fleeing from the law or there's a theft accusation. And with all this going on, let me just read one of the email responses from Danielle Stella. Um, and I'm reading this for quote, all this information Jody's gonna have on her Twitter page, but I'll just read this yep. to you. Uh, it says, this is Danielle writing, in back, uh, writing back in response to your message I received. 
I'm not certain how in-depth I can explain this at this present time as it's currently being discussed between attorneys at this juncture. There has been no, excuse me, there has not been an official ruling made by the judge of the guilty verdict or innocent verdict. This is an ongoing legal matter. The attorney said I should be confident in the outcome of the matter. I think I can disclose that I'm fighting this to clear my name in the courts with attorneys who have assured me that it will be resolved in my favor and will clear my name from what I've been accused of. Now, a normal person, you know, I'm not saying that she's not, but a normal person, if, if you're accused of a crime, you're generally going to say, I didn't do it. I have to go to court. I'll explain it mm -hmm. later. There's usually something that comes out of you as an explanation. And from the documentation that I have seen, there hasn't been, you know, a, you know, a stance on whether she's innocent or guilty. What's been your take as you've been reading the documentation, you've seen this all come from the ground up. Um, is this fitting? I mean, are these answers fitting of the person you've been working with? Or are you seeing a different person? Both. Um, at the beginning, she seemed like the ideal candidate. She really did. She, she had her backstory, which I believe is all lies now, because I've dug in deeper. I have more stuff that I'm going to be uncovering and actually putting on Twitter as well. Um, but she made it sound from the beginning that she had custody of her daughter. She does not have custody of her daughter. Her parents do. And so that was a huge life right from the beginning. But she always had a good excuse of why. And this is another reason. Her excuse is, well, my attorney will get me off. Mm -hmm. her, her mature level is, is lower than my 19-year-old daughter's, and she's 31. And so it's, it's very disturbing that she would just say, well, my, my lawyer's going to get me off, and it's just going to go away. Well, no, you also have another April 28th theft that has been uncovered. So... Yeah, she was recently, um, she did a discussion with Discuss.com. Um, anybody yeah. that goes on there, it's D-I-S-Q-U-S.com. Um, you know, she did a, a question and answer fielding. And there were a few questions where people were asking her, you know, did you do this? And she just, she avoided the question and made a note that she would not be answering any question. I, I still would like to know, why there has as a as a congressional candidate you have a responsibility to answer questions of the public if there's an accusation yep. you need to air it you need to clear it up whatever needs to happen uh she is more than welcome to come on the american perspective you know she was on here before and she has every right and and choice to come on and, and talk about these these things but you know all these things have been going on and i'm not seeing where anything's really honest or truthful. Mm -hmm. and, and I went on there because I wanted to find out why she was accusing me of you know, following pedophiles. And Randall had told MC, it was the guy who was uh, moderating that particular discuss. It was uh, something report moderator is what the, the group was called. And Randall told him, Danielle will not be coming on that show if, if Jody's a part of this because he knew I was going to ask her all the questions that everybody else is wanting to know. And so he, they had awesome. set it up. So he, he actually kicked me out of the group. So I never even got to ask her. There's also a question as to her donated um, campaign funds and, yeah. and 
when they are deposited and not. Yes, and that falls on, on Randall Blakesley. I brought him in uh, because we needed the, the website done really fast. Like I said, everything was happening so fast. And he offered to do it, um, volunteer. He said, I'll, I'll volunteer my time to do it. And then um, I was in the process of setting up the bank account for the campaign, um, which in Minnesota, they have some, each bank has some really, really, uh, put it this way, they're changing a lot of the rules and regulations because of me calling them and saying we can't file with the Secretary of State until the end of May, first part of June. So I can't give you an official filing in order to open a bank account. It's a really big issue. But I ended up um, doing a assumed name with the Secretary of State, which was Stella 2020. And then that was how I was able to open up the bank account. Well, Randall Blakesley um, became very, very controlled of everything because he made the website. So he had the link from the website donation to the bank account. We had set up everything on around June 22nd. I got two emails from the banker that I was working with, and she says, why is there no deposits being put into the campaign account? And every time I would ask Randall, it was like, well, it, it's coming, it's coming, and he'd always change the password. It's got, Cartman can say the same thing because I have many messages of both of us asking Randall, why are you changing the passwords all the time? We can't get into anything. We're treasurer and assistant treasurer. Uh, this is a federal, this is FEC, not state. We have to have our ducks in a row to do all the filings. And he would change them constantly. He had control. I, I did send all the documentation over to FEC, and I said, you need to investigate this because we don't know if what was deposited is actually the number. And so I've turned that over to them to do their investigation. Do you know, as of, you know, as of recently, do you know if any of that was ever resolved or if any money was ever deposited? Yes, uh, the money was deposited uh, around July 4th or 5th. Um, it was the, the Friday that we were in Washington, D.C. It finally came through and it was $1,800. And so when I told the banker uh, for the campaign, that I was no longer her campaign manager, we closed the account and she sent a cashier's check to the campaign uh, mailing address, which is uh, P.O. Box. And we were done with that. So it'll be interesting to see if the campaign ever, you know, responsibly deposited those, those funds into a new account. You know, what's going on with that? Uh, one of the other documents that yeah, you sent no through to me. What was that? Mm-hmm. I said, no idea what's going on with it now. Yeah. So that's why I say, you know, it's a good question to see, you know, if any, if any yeah. of her campaign will answer that now. But um, one of the other topics, um, and there's a, another image that you sent through that was uh, from her attorney over campaign finance. And it looks like there was a discrepancy that she claimed that she owed more in attorney's fees than what was actually uh, stated. Or do you yeah. know yeah, what, what was <laughs> happening with that? She stated on her Twitter um, that the, the uh, attorney fees were $10,000. And if you look at the document that I sent you from the um, campaign attorney's office, it was 2200 It was initially supposed to be 1500 but Randall wanted Scott off the campaign. So we had to do 
additional stuff to get him off, but then it never happened. It, his name never got off until the end. And now Danielle Sheridan's name is on a treasurer, which is even more disturbing because she's the candidate. And you never want to do that. Hmm. So it was only 2200 And then to clarify the whole attorney thing, a lot of people were very skeptical of why we hired um, Winthrop and Weinstein when Tammy Dean is a radical Democrat is what they call her. We, I never worked really with Tammy Dean. I worked with her legal secretary and I worked with her secretary. And it, we, she came highly recommended. They, there's like 168 attorneys. We happened to get her. And they know campaign law. I was not going to file with FEC, IRS, Secretary of State without having an attorney look over the documents, file on our behalf, so everything was correct. That's how Tammy Diem got involved. And a lot of people didn't like it because she is a very, very hardcore staunch Democrat is what they said. So I take responsibility, but I did, I got referred to her, not specifically her, but her um, law office. And that's how that became. Now, Jody, you've also mentioned Scott throughout this. What's been his role with the campaign? What's going on with him now? Has there been changes on that? Um, yes. You know, he started out as the Facebook guru, is what I call them, because he has quite a bit of groups um, that are uh, conservative Republicans. And he has one group that's 175 k and I think another one that's almost 200000 So we, we brought him in, I brought him in, um, to promote a lot on Facebook with Daniel Stella's campaign. Um, he also became the treasurer um, because we needed to put somebody in order to get the bank account open, in order to file with FEC, in order to file with IRS, get the EIN. Um, but I was going to assist him with that role because he, he admitted, I, I'm not comfortable with this. I have a business background, so I know QuickBooks really well. And the software that we were going to use was IST Political. And they basically were going to hold our hands and do all the filings with us. So that made me feel better knowing that it's a federal. Um, I wanted to make sure everything was accurate. Um, as He's been probably off the campaign since middle of June, maybe beginning of June, probably middle of June. Um, Randall didn't like Scott asking him, like I was, uh, why are you changing the passwords all the time? Um, if I'm the treasurer, I need to know what the balances are. I need to keep track of donors. I need. And Randall finally got tired of him asking too many questions and said he's no longer on the campaign you know, that's Danielle's decision. She made it, which, no, it was Randall's decision. He got him off the campaign. Um, he did lend her um, a laptop when he went up to Minnesota. Um, they, they had some meetings up there that he was going to participate in. And then he, he loaned her a laptop. And as of Monday, he has now filed a theft report. He gave her many opportunities to give it back to him. He even, you know, sent her a message and said, I, I will meet you in Minnesota. I, I, just, I just want to get my laptop back. And she didn't respond for two weeks. And finally, he filed a self-report. So the the scandals just don't seem to end. I mean, it's it's deep within the campaign itself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. what I know now, after all this stuff is coming to surface, is she is running for attention, plain and simple. Everything that I've seen, everything I've heard, every she she can't handle stress. 
Um, she had a podcast with two classy gentlemen um, in July, excuse me, June, um, and she was just too distraught to talk to them. So she made them wait two hours, and she still wouldn't do it after I was talking to her and trying to calm her down, and she is not the right candidate for Minnesota District 5, and really she shouldn't be running because she is running fraudulently, and I, I really hope that people listening will stop supporting her and get the word out that she she is not who she says she is, and there is another person that they should be supporting. Well, let me ask you this, um, Jody. Who do you support? You know, I asked Anton Lazaro with the lesson that I've learned tons of questions about Lacey Johnson. Um, the individual that sent the letter regarding the, the felon stuff to Danielle is who I talked to on the phone about it and then asked me, would you be okay if I gave your information to Anton Lazaro? Um, he is actually going to be running the Lacey Johnson campaign. And I said, yeah, that would, that would be fine. I'll talk to him. So him and I had a full conversation and I asked him all the hard questions that I should have asked Danielle, but she would have lied anyway. But I wanted to make sure that he was a Trump supporter. I wanted to make sure that he was uh, the Second Amendment supporter. I wanted to make sure he was full of life. Um, and he's like, yes. And uh, Lacey Johnson is also going to be funded with PAC. So he's got a big, big jump uh, with campaign funds that will help him because somebody needs to take out Elon Omar. And, you know, I've looked at the other candidates. Brent Whaley was another one that I was considering because he is a good friend of Alexandra Levine, who um, has the Jexic uh, organization. Um, but he is a moderate Republican, and I, I can't support somebody who's kind of wishy-washy in the whole, I don't really support Trump, but I'm, I'm a Republican. I, I, so Lacey Johnson is the only candidate that I would support. Interesting. Well, uh, everybody should be looking into Lisa Johnson then if you're in Minnesota. Um, you know, but before we go today, I just want to say that, you know, with all the information that Jody's brought on, we as Americans have a responsibility to our candidates, to our government, to our citizens, you know, our people. No matter what you hear, mm -hmm. heard here today, do your research, look into this, double check the candidate that you're that you're going to vote for and make sure that that's a, the, the best person suited for the job. So all the information that Jody has is gonna be up on her Twitter page. Jody, where can they find you? Uh, my Twitter handle is um, feistywoman1234 and my email is j.a.larson.005, excuse me, 007 at gmail.com. And anybody can send me um, an email. If they want the documentation, I have no problem providing it. And it'll back up everything that I've said. And if anybody has any questions, you can, you know, like Jody said, contact her directly. If you have any questions, you can uh, contact me here and you can go to the website, which is AmericanPerspectiveShow.com. And I want to thank you both, Kimber, you especially. Kimber's going to be on a future episode about some of the projects that her organization works on. So we'll definitely be excited to hear from you then. Um, is there anything yes, that you talk of. Uh, we'll put that up on the website to find your Twitter handle. Um, is there any final words that either of you, you know, want to impart on the listeners? Well, I know, I know Danielle probably won't be listening to this, but my message would be to her and my message would be to 
you need to be truthful. You need to be honest. And it's about time you stand up and say, yes, my name is Daniel Sheridan. I falsely, uh, knowing that my name is not known as Daniel Stella, and I, she should own up to what she's done. And she should stop taking money for, for donations, and she should stop telling people that she's running against Ilan Omar. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to make sure everybody hears the truth that she should not be running. And I agree totally. And uh, please check us all out because we're telling you the truth. Yep. Well, thank you so much for both joining me here at the American Perspective. Uh, we'll keep track on everything. Uh, until next week, I want to thank everyone for listening. Don't forget to check us out on the web, AmericanPerspectiveShow.com. Uh, follow up with Jody and Kimber. Both of their links will be listed in the podcast title. So until next week, thank you for listening. If you like listening to The American Perspective, you can help by being a show sponsor. Sponsorship is easy, and it works two ways. Pay $20 a month for an ad to be aired during our show, or be a monthly donor using the Anchor app or through Ko-Fi. All of these details are available online at www.skyoneradio.com. That's skyoneradio.com.